Hello, everybody, and welcome back again to the Beats with Kelly Kennedy here on Not Meds Global, which is your your resource for your naturally oriented therapists, medically enlightened doctors and specialists. And throughout my years, I've been very blessed to be in this industry and to be around the most incredible minds, practitioners, scientists throughout the world. And sometimes I get so lucky as to strike gold right in my back uh, backyard. And to that end, Dr. Christian Hines, who this podcast is devoted to, is one of my dearest friends and colleagues here locally in Pennsylvania. And Dr. Christian is not a primary care physician, but as you will hear about today, um, she is a medical doctor trained in family medicine and um, has a dual licensing as a registered dietitian. She's also very wealthy in knowledge in regards to acupuncture, medical acupuncture and homeopathy. And Dr. Christian Hines has a very different primary approach, however, to wellness. And that's what you know, we get to really discuss here on the beats is how to make this the foundation of your life, how to make this world your premise of which you come from so that we're not in need of medicines or suppressive medicines um, to make symptoms go away while we're figuring out the cause, which is really what that system is meant for in my view. If it's needed, it's to buy us some time until we figure out what the cause is, change the lifestyle, change the exposures so the body can go back into that healing restful state. And Dr. Christian Hines is going to talk all about that. This is a bit more of a friendly conversation as you'll hear. She is truly one of my dearest friends, and I know you're all going to, going to enjoy her perspective. She is not a pediatrician. However, we use her as Silas's pediatrician, and I know you'll get to really enjoy this episode. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and that notification so you know when Not Meds is here with the beats, educating you all the different ways that your body works, and truly from my heart to yours, enjoy the wonderful, the in incredible, amazing Dr. Christian Hines. Welcome back to the Beats with Kelly Kennedy. And today I have one of my very best friends, actually, and one of my greatest colleagues that's here locally in the Philadelphia area, Dr. Christian Hines, who actually treats our son as well. So when I say that she's one of my favorite colleagues, there's a reason for that because I entrust the care of our child to her, which we do not take lightly. And she's actually cared for us as well. And what we want to talk to Dr. Hines today about is many things, all things in wellness, but she is a board certified medical doctor. She's also um, Academy of Family Medicine and American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine, as well as a registered dietitian. Dr. Hines has really gone through the gamut in her career as a healthcare practitioner, starting more in social medicine, really caring about everybody on the planet having access to good nutrition, good information, good education. And she continues that every single day at Red Hill Medical in her practice up in Ottsville, Pennsylvania, which is north of Doylestown. And she also, every she does a lot of different things. She has a website, but one of the things she primarily does too is educate. And she works with another friend of hers, which we're going to talk about. She, every single month, does a free live session to just have you live with the docs to talk about whatever's on your mind. And Dr. Christian and I have been friends for a long time. There's many subjects we approach through our daily conversation. So I have no idea where this is going to head. And we're really excited about that. And I just want to really, I'm so 
so happy and pleased to introduce this community today to Dr. Kristan Hines. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kristan. Dr. Oh my goodness. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I, I have loved that I've seen you through all these years, kind of being able to give information out to so many of your patients. And the fact when you launched your podcast, I was so excited because it just is so clear to me that you have so much to give to such a broader community. And this is such a fantastic venue. So I'm so, I was so honored to be asked and I'm super excited to be here today. And I'm really excited just for us to chat and about everything. I know, cause we don't get a lot of time to chat when we do it's often late at night. This is <laughs> nice, it's like the middle of the day, it's great. And she's taking time away from her farm. She has a busy practice, but she also has a busy farm and she's kind enough to give us her personal time to away from her goats, which she loves tremendously. <laughs> And so anyway, so let's talk about a little bit about your background, because I think your sure. background, it's really like how you got into medicine and how it evolved is really interesting, I find, because you're so heart centered. So tell them how you started before you went to medical school. What did you do? So before I went to medical school, I, um, I, I think it all kind of started with being in high school and doing a um, volunteer program to go work with a missionary team in Africa. And when I went there, we were really laying down um, pipes for, um, for agricultural fields and kind of irrigation and understanding the relationship between um, healthy farms and healthy communities. And mm -hmm. so from there, I kind of really got my, you know, I really gained a lot of interest in social justice and kind of um, social awareness around food, around nutrition, um, and the inequities that surround that, you know, with everybody, you know, we see even see that today. And based on that, I chose to move forward and um, get a degree in nutrition. And then I got a um, internship, which was kind of a, a certificate, a master certificate in um, public health nutrition, where I worked with um, the homeless populations in Boston. And I also ran a WIC program, which stands for the, in, the Women, Infant and Children program, which is a subsidized program. Um, and we integrated our particular, um, our particular branch in with the farmer's markets, which back then was kind of not like, it, you know, we were growing, we were having like, you know, gardens in, outside the projects in Boston. And it was just like, no one, no one even was thinking that way. We were partnering with the extension programs, the state extension programs, and really trying to promote um, vegetables and fruits and grow your own and kind of get people back to that. And, and what back. year was this? Just give everybody a sense that are just listening and don't see your beautiful, gorgeous face. The, the early nineties. Right, the early nineties, 30 years ago, she was talking yeah. about regenerative farming and getting people into like subsidizing the schools and the WIC program with local farms and 30 yeah. years. This is her life. This is not like, oh, Dr. Christiane goes to work and does integrative health. This is her life. This is how she lives. This is not a whim for her. Yeah. I, I can't believe you just said 30 years. It makes me feel so old, but yes. <laughs> you do well, have daughter in college now. Don't forget. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. You know, you don't change, like inside, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's been that amount of time. Time has a very strange, I don't know. We all know time is very strange. Yes, especially this last year. That. So then, oh, yeah. so you're running these WIC programs, you're helping with farming, and then what happened? 
So, and then I was, you know, I was working with the healthcare for the homeless. I was in charge of doing all the measuring and all the growth parameters of all the children that were homeless in the, in the city of Boston. And uh, we were kind of using that information to try to get more grant money, to try to get more programs involved so we could actually support families to get proper food and nutrition during, you know, early childhood and during the maternal years. And I just got to the point where I would be working in these big teams. So I'd be like working with early intervention or I'd be working with a pediatric um, outpatient facility. And I would sit in on these team approaches where they were talking about families and children and nobody was talking about nutrition. Like nobody was talking about these foundational health issues. And every time I opened my mouth because I you know, wasn't really considered to be like an integral member of health, even though I was there um, as part of a member of the team, it wasn't, no one would really kind of take what I had to say seriously. And that became, that was very frustrating because I could see the benefits and I could see what a huge impact food, food choices, food quality, um, supporting the mom, supporting the family, how all of those things made such a difference in everybody's lives. And it just became, and you know, pediatrics of all is, has always been forward in terms of nutrition and integrating nutrition. Every time you go in for your well child checks, what's your child eating, you know, are they, are you breastfeeding? Like that is the group of, of physicians who has recognized that nutrition is important for childhood development and growth. And even still, you know, despite that um, integration in that field, what I was saying or the things I was advocating was not being taken as a critical building block in terms of being pivotal for someone's switch to kind of change and, and health and gain, move towards health. So I thought to myself, well, forget that. Like, that's not like, that's no fun. So I'm going <laughs> to to go ahead and go back to medical school so I can actually like call the shots and kind of really put forward the fact that this is probably the most important thing. So I ended up going back. I did a post-bac program where I went back and took all my pre-med courses. And then I applied to medical school. I was kind of an older student going in. So older than most of my other, the other students there. Um, I think I was 27 when I started medical school. Um, and I have to say that the next, you know, 10 years of my career was definitely a grind. It was nothing like what I had expected. It was, it didn't allow me the opportunity to really lean in and kind of go back to kind of what I believed or push, you know, what I thought was so important for, you know, preventative health and for like foundational health. And it was, you know, it definitely, they break you down before they build you up. That's kind of, that's kind of the process of that. I mean, and it's not to say that I didn't enjoy it or I didn't have like meaningful connections or powerful experiences, or I didn't gain skills. Like I'm so grateful that I have the skills that I have, you know, that I got through that, but everything that I had imagined being able to do um, wasn't, I really wasn't able to actualize you know, until I was actually maybe in residency and had a little bit more autonomy to be able to do what I wanted to do. And that's so important for people to understand because people get so frustrated in our industry, meaning the holistic field, that they get frustrated when they walk into a medical doctor and the medical doctor gives them medicine. 
And I'm like, why are you frustrated? That's their training. <laughs> Unless you find somebody with a, a more masterful approach as you have, but I want everybody to hear what you just said. In the medical schools, they beat them down and then build them back up. Like there's not a lot of autonomy in medicine until in her own residency program. And then she could start to, and it took 10 years to get there to where she could finally put into actionable steps what she saw were the problems from all those years ago that she could now actually put into action. And that's only because of her strength and her knowing of what she wanted to do, that she was so devoted to that mission that it, she never lost sight of it. But let's give credit where credit's due to all the doctors that get into it for the right reason. They want to help people. And then somewhere along the line, their devotion isn't as clear, their vision isn't as clear, and they get off track. And then you walk into their office and yeah. you're blaming them. And it's not them. The system is broken. Let's stop blaming the people yeah. in the system and start looking at the system. And those yeah. that get out of the system that are willing to go, hey, I want to, you know, for those of us that are clients go, I want to go see somebody that has a different approach. And one of the best things that ever happened to me was we had a different homeopathic doctor for the first year and a half of Silas's life. And we would just go see her every like two to three months for growth charts to make sure everything was fine. And then she decided to move. And I was like, no, 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 you, you can't move. Cause I don't, I mean, all my doctors are in Switzerland. You can't go away. I don't know who I'm going to go to. It took me a year to find you. And she handed out this list that she was handing to everybody. I don't know if you know this story. She handed this list to everybody of all the doctors that she was referring to. And she handed me the list. And as quickly as she handed it, she took the paper back and she wrote your name down. And she said, no, you need to go see Dr. Hines. And I was like, okay. She's like, these other people aren't going to be in alignment with you. You know so much about homeopathy that you need Dr. Hines. She really understands where you're coming from. And so it was like four months later, I was like, oh my God, we got to get Silas into Dr. Hines because if he gets sick this winter and something happens, she needs to have a baseline on him. It was like November or something. So I sit down, I sit down in front of Christian. I already had I don't know, four or five medical doctors in and out of this office that we had hired and let go of. And I sit down next in, across from her and I go, okay, what's your philosophy on vaccines? And she had the best answer I'd ever heard in my life. She goes, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. I'm here to support you and what your family wants. And I was like, where the hell have you been my whole life? Oh my God. Because that's a very different approach. Instead of you having a, hey, I have an agenda that I need to give you. I'm here to support you and your decisions and your freedom of choice of how you want to live. And I'm going to educate you along the way. And I credit you yeah. so much for that, Chrisanne, because that is such an unusual approach. Even yeah. in this well, I, Yes, I, I mean, I agree, but I, I think that the, the strength of a partnership is so much stronger. You know, we always look at like when you're trying to get stuff done around the house, one person is as good as like half a person two people is as good as three people. So we, we come together and we have more power and more capacity to make effective change when we are together than when we're not. And, and I just, I feel like I know in my own experience when I'm looking for people to help me in terms of like my medical care, I want, I want someone who is gonna say, we are gonna keep you safe. Like we are gonna do this together. There is nothing that we can't do when we're doing this together. And so I, and I, I just feel like, as you know, Kelly, just from all the work that you do, 
the body is so resilient. You know, the body ultimately wants to find balance. The body wants to heal. The body wants to be on center and heal. And, you know, it's this feeling of allowing our physiology to dictate what our future is going to be is, and, and not feel like we have any control over it is absolutely paralyzing. It's just like, it's just devastating. And you, you lose your capacity to be a driver, you know, in your own vehicle. And I think the one thing that I know I feel when I go to your office and when you've taken care of me and Ian's taken care of me, it's just that feeling of like, we are gonna get you back in center. We are gonna let you decide what that physiology is. And, and that really goes and speaks to kind of all the things you've taught me about like the pleomorphism and, you know, bacteria aren't really bacteria. And like, I can't even really get my head around it anyway, but like they're moving in and out, they're going up, they're going down. Like they could be this, but then they could also be that. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I had to like suspend belief. I was like, that makes no sense for my microbiology training, but I'm going to, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that because I like, I like the feeling that it makes me feel, you know, which is that I can make a difference in my own healthcare and my own vision and my own, you know, like, so I try to do that with people, you know, and although I don't have all of those, um, all of that, you know, that education that's based in kind of more of that um, biological medicine education. I definitely feel that even though, and I've said this to patients, I don't care what diagnosis you've had. That does not define you. That does not mean that that is who you are. And so, um, you know, I, I do, I feel like it is helpful for people to actually feel freedom from that. Yeah. And, and to approach the body with this new approach of like, we're going to help you figure your body out and what's going on. And it's not that you have a deficiency in some kind of medical drug or a deficiency in laying around the house, not doing anything. You might have a deficiency in getting up off your hiney and moving around, perhaps. <laughs> and but what's underneath that? You know, right. What is underneath that? Like, what's the emotional thing? Are you, do you feel like you're not worth it? Is it that, you know, you're, you know, your neurotransmitters are off, you know, is it because you're putting stuff in your gut and then that's not allowing, you know, you to produce the right neurochemicals that help you have that motivation. Like there's always something underneath it. And people don't inherently want to just be sitting on the couch and eating ringdings. Right. That's, I don't believe that. I do not believe that. Right. <laughs> you know, people want vibrance. That's yeah. not vibrant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now you've been in practice for a decade or more, and you've helped so many people in so many ways, what are, what sets you apart from all the other integrative, holistic practitioners, if you will, outside of what you just spoke about, that you look at this biological foundational system, but what do you think sets Red Hill Medical apart from everybody else on the planet in regards to functional medicine, integrative medicine? You know, I hate those words, but we're going to use them for the sake of this podcast right now. <laughs> I don't hate, I don't hate anything. I just think that it's limiting those, those foundation, those, those words are, those terms are limiting in regards exactly. to the approach that you take, but I want your take on that. Yeah. I mean, and I have had, you know, training in functional medicine, you know, obviously I've been trained, like had lifelong training in what they would classify as integrative medicine. Um, and 
I think even those terms, or at least in terms of what they reflect on terms of what I'm trying to do or approach in my office, don't even define, they can't define what it is that, that I do. So um, what separates me? I'm not, you know, I think my, my commitment to nutrition, I have to keep going back to that. I think that's very different. I think even if you go into an integrated medicine, I worked in an integrated medicine center, which I would call more like green medicine, you know, where I, it was basically like, oh, you have this illness. Let me give you the supplement. So that is not really my approach at all. You know, I want to say, oh, you have this illness. What, what foundationally is off? And I think people overlook that, you know, people overlook the foundational health aspect time and time again, the simplest things have the biggest impact. You know, Such and I just, what? like, what are you talking about there? Like what, how they're living their life, what food they're eating, like unpack so, that. A little bit. What are those foundational things that people are missing? So I think, okay. So we talk about, you know, nutrition, sleep, movement, hydration, um, thoughts, you know, in terms of their, um, their mental thoughts, um, stressors that would go under that category as well. You know, it's all the things that we refer to when we're talking about kind of filling up that bucket, you know, and we, we have that analogy of, you know, the body has reserves, the bot, but the body is filled with, you know, infections. You know, we talk about that, you know, toxins, infections, all of these things. And, and so what are the, the routine things that we do every single day that help us to relieve some of that pressure, right? What are the choices that we're making? And so that, that has actually kind of gone into this new topic of conversation that I've been having with myself because every kind of, everybody went into this whole prepping mode, right? With COVID and well, people have been into prepping for a long time, but yeah. I, I was really trying to like look at the analogy of health and our long-term health in terms of like prepping because people think about like financial planning, people are thinking about prepping, like all these people are like, you know, putting all the stuff in their basement and like thinking about what they would do and coming up with their like their go bag and like, you know, their whole thing. And I was just like, what I don't understand is why this isn't being applied to people's everyday health. So I kind of came up with this like quote that I've been like working with and then kind of kind of working backwards with people trying to really understand the psychology around this. And I'm going to I'm going to read it to you and um, you can tell me from your experience in your working with your clients like, you know, kind of what your what your sense of it is as the way that it would like integrate into like what you're doing. I think this is I think this is exactly what your center focuses on exactly what your center focuses on. So, um, so here it goes. The trajectory of our long-term health and wellness is determined by our everyday behaviors and habits. The best way to plan for your health is to work backwards, decide who you want to be in the future and let that guide your decisions today. So let's let that land for a second. But I don't think people are thinking that. I don't, I don't think that people are saying, okay, when I'm 80, I want to be able to go up and down this winder staircase and, you know, without any problems. So if that's the goal, you know, what do you have to ensure 30 years, you know, before that in order to maintain that? It's a you very know, and kind of work. 
it's a good point. People don't think about the, they think about a short-term goal with health. Like, oh, I have headaches. I want to get rid of headaches. I have gut problems. I want to get rid of gut problems. I have skin issues. I want to get rid of my skin issues. Very few of us think like, I want to live to be 160 and I want to die in my sleep and I want to have a quality of life. So I work really hard now so that I will have a quality of life in my future. What I'm doing now, I remember looking at my mother, I hope she doesn't listen to this, um, when she was like 40, 45, and I, I watched her bend down and pick something up. And I was like, oh my God, I just don't want to be that decrepit, like, like not, and I think about myself about 47 and all the yoga doing the up and the down, the running up and down the steps. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm light years ahead of my mother. And my mother's great at 80 years old. She can function on her own. She lives on her own. She doesn't take medications, but still there's you know, a lack of mobility, if you will, that I, because from the fascia and the lymph that I'm like, no, that's my goal. And one of the things we've been talking about in our office is to get more clear on what people's values are and what their health goals are beyond just the symptom relief, because you're not going to, like, if I went to a gym and said, oh, I just want to build this one muscle, then I would just walk in building this one muscle and then leave. But I want my whole, I want to be, I want longevity. That's why we go to gyms. That's why we work out. And, and I love yeah. this point. It, it's a great point. And prepping for a good friend of mine, Dr. Gerald Geoffrey, when we first, he was in the first five podcasts in the very beginning of COVID. And he said, people should have been preparing for COVID two years ago. Yeah. And it was a great point. Yeah. The ones that do well are the ones that prepared two years ago. You know, as soon as right. COVID came out, we ordered the homeopathics and started taking the homeopathics for COVID, you and us and so many others. Like, we're not waiting till we get COVID. We're prepping for when we get COVID. Yeah, no, we're keeping our vitamin D up. We're taking our zinc every day. You know, we're doing, you know, other modalities. We're making sure we get in the sauna and sweat. Like, we're making sure we're keeping our peak health, you know, at an optimum. Right. And that's, and that's how we're taking care of ourselves during this time. And, and I think from my perspective, that's what you do differently than so many others is that so many integrative functional doctors outside of the ones that have obviously been on my podcast, they approach it like a green medicine. Like you said, I'm going to walk in the set of giving me Lipitor. I'm going to give you these three medic, these three nutraceuticals or orthomoleculars that are nutrition based. Yep. And maybe I'm going to even talk about your nutrition a little bit, but I might not back up and go, what water are you drinking? What air are you breathing? What's your home like? What's your environment? What's your relationships? What, what are all the foundational things that every single day you're doing or not doing that are contributing to that? And that is what sets you apart from so many, and, and from soup to nuts, like, oh, she's not a pediatrician. She's not a primary care doctor, but she primarily cares about all aspects of life. And yeah, so she's seen my husband. She's done a full panel of blood work on iron many, you know, four or five years ago, he had blood work in, I don't know, 15 years. And Christian was like, what? And in, in how many years? What? How old is he? How about we do a panel of blood work? I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. So we did a full panel of blood work on him. Then Silas, she kept saying, when was two years in a row. Have you gotten his eyes checked? I'm like, Oh, his eyes are fine. I and I didn't wear glasses till we're 50. He's fine. He eats great. She's like, have you gotten his eyes checked yet? Like with a real eye doctor? I'm like, no, he did your chart. It's not fine. She's like, have you gotten his eyes checked yet? So of course this year I take his eyes checked. I call her a couple of weeks. Ago. I was like, you were right. You were totally right. You needed glasses. And by the way, so did I, I hadn't been to the eye doctor in 25 years. And oh, wow. yeah. So but you don't know until you know, that's the thing. You don't know, like, 
0.5 prescription. She thinks South is going to grow out of the glasses, but bottom right. line is that he needs a little assist. I need a little assist. And because she cares primarily about the family's health, she kept nudging me to do it. And if it wasn't for her, I never would have done it in all honesty. I blew it off, but because she's my friend, because she's a colleague that I, I respect, I kept hearing her going, okay, she's nudging me. I need to do it. And I've watched him read so much faster, so much better since he's got these glasses. And so good. And look at her, touch her heart and go, oh, good. Because it was, I don't think she's ever, I'm thinking about it, maybe one homeopathic you've referred us to in the five years that you've been Silas's doctor. I don't think there's, I mean, granted, we do what we do. So it's not like she's like, oh, you guys need to be on all these supplements because look at what you're not doing. But you're, no, all the clients that we've sent you and all the clients that we work on together, like you would definitely go through their, their supplements, but you're more interested in like, what are you doing in your life? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, that's really what I'm really, cause I feel like the supplements can come and go, you know, the supplements can, and, and I do use them and we do use them to have effective change, but that's not really the heart of the matter, right? The supplements are still trying to fill a void that's because of something deeper, like a deeper imbalance and whether or not that's, you know, needing some sort of um, energetic work or doing like the, the Nate treatments or, you know, doing emotional work. Like there's something else driving those things. And we can use, I mean, I'll use the supplements as a bridge, but ultimately I want that person balanced enough that they don't need to be on a million supplements. You know, that I don't, I don't want them spending hundreds of dollars on supplements a month. And, and she'll do acupuncture treatment. She'll do IVs. She'll do she has all sorts of equipment at her office. Like there's a lot of different ways that she'll get the body to go back into that balance. And then she also makes sure though, as we said, that you test. So she said, okay, Sals needs eye tested. I need this blood work. And then she at one point said to me, what's the last time you had a pap smear? I'm like a pap smear. I don't know. 25 years ago. She's like, what? Let's look up on up there or whatever you said that day. I laughed so hard. And I was like, let's go. And honest to God is the best pap smear I've ever had in my life. Because the first question she asked me was what size speculum you want? I was like, well, there's an option of sizes. Nobody's ever given me an option of size before. And it was so yeah. painless and so easy that I was like, oh, I'll do this every year with you because it's not a big deal. And it's better to have the information than not have the information. Yes. But yeah. it's about, for me, I didn't ever feel comfortable going to a typical gynecologist that's going to go, oh, when was your HPV vaccine? And, you know, what are you doing? And this, that, and, and like, uh, you're 47 and you're not on any hormones. Oh my God, we got to put you on hormones. And, you know, it's like, I just, I want the least amount to do to my body because of the way that I live. And I think that's where you come from is, you know, she's kettlebell queen, by the way, you do not want to mess with Christian Hines in an alley because she will mess you up. Her legs and her core strength are not to be reckoned with. She is a core strength gainer with kettlebells. And I, I mean that when I first met her, I was like, I'm a little confused. You're a kettlebell teacher. Wait, you teach classes to cook? And you're a medical doctor. Wait, I like, that's a lot that you're doing for people, but that's the core of is get that strength built, eat the right food. And then hopefully you don't need the medical doctor. You don't need the other stuff. Yeah. And then, and then if you do, you know, you do the blood work, you do the screening, you get the information, 
um, that's the nice thing about looking at blood work kind of the way that I do, which is more of a functional way of looking at blood work. So you're kind of looking at, even though it may be every other doctor would say, oh, that's normal. You know, there are relationships between um, different tests that we have on basic blood work panels that can actually indicate like, oh, well, it looks like maybe you have some adrenal fatigue or, you know, maybe we should think about parasites or, you know, it looks like maybe you're low in zinc. Like these are just basic tests that everybody gets done by their doctor. And to have the lens to be able to see these subtle changes before they actually manifest into something is really what we're going for. And I, I think that that's similar to like what you do with the CRT, you know, where you're trying to find, um, you're trying to find changes in the body before they've actually manifested. So we don't have the problems that we have. We don't have the kind of the emotional, I mean, it's a really big emotional load, you know, to get, to get labeled or to have something that comes up that's not, you know, that doesn't, that you're not in kind of the best health that you thought that you were, you know, that's a pretty devastating, devastating thing. And particularly for those of us that value our health the way that we do, right. I don't take that lightly when something like that happens. Right, right. And for our children, I mean, I don't, I know you're not a pediatrician, but I constantly call her the holistic pediatrician that everybody needs to go see because she handles children so well and children really like her and they like the approach and all of that. And in regards to children's health, what's the biggest like assault, if you will, that you see that's happening in society with children's health? Well, that's a hard one. I think we, you know, we live in such a toxic world that I think it's difficult to pin it down in terms of, you know, assault against, you know, childhood health. I think that we fail to remember that children experience toxins far greater than we do because their their surface area of their skin to their body weight they you know they have so much more exposure so um i think that that's one of the things that are we have to be really mindful about and it's you know it's everything from diapers to you know formula to gmo foods i mean i think children's guts are just being like ravaged and the amount of stuff that I see that has to do with food intolerances, allergies leading to anxiety and depression in their teenage years, you can see it. You can see it in the history. Oh, you know, when she came out, I couldn't, I couldn't nurse. So I put her on formula. She didn't tolerate the formula. We had to switch it three times. Then she was on a sensitive formula. She had earaches and she had ear infections. And then she had tubes, you know, all through her, you know, early childhood. Now, you know, then she was constipated and now she's a teenager and they're saying that she has bipolar disorder. And it's, you can just see the entire, you can see the way it just like marches out, you know? So I, I really feel that, you know, if there was any way to safeguard that, you know, children's guts, like that would be the number one game changer. Cause if you had an intact gut, meaning you have an intact immune system, you can tolerate things that, um, you know, we often say that we often are kind of blaming like, oh, I'm gonna blame it on vaccines or I'm gonna blame it on, you know, this or that. And, and all of those contribute. I'm not saying that they don't, but if you actually had, when we talked about this like core, you know, self or this core sense of um, health, I think that people would be able to tolerate things much better. A hundred percent. 
I couldn't agree more. And I, I think the gut for children is, is being overlooked completely. Children live on dairy and carbs. That's all they live on. And, and half of those things have GMO foods in them or they're hormone based or they have antibiotics in them unless you're making a really, and even if you are making a really concerted effort to buy organic or only shop at like health food stores and things like that, you're still giving them processed food. They're still having mac and cheese as their favorite food. And those things can be detrimental. Those things can, you know. This is the conversation we've had most in your office because I struggle so hard to get Silas to eat good food and a variety of food. And, you know, he ate better in this first three years than he has in the last five. Yeah. And, you know, like when he, we were completely in control and it was, you know, our house and no issues. Preschool started, school started, friends influence, television influence. And, you know, like we have never in his entire life been to a McDonald's and Arby's a Wendy's, anything like that. I swear to goodness, this kid loves to push our buttons. And every time we drive by <laughs> fast food story goes, Oh guys, it's Wendy's. And we're like, you've never even been to Wendy's. Why are you even talking about it? Like, and he's been doing it four to five years pushing our buttons. And it's a, it's an emotional thing for me. It's an emotional thing for him. And yet I don't want to cause emotions with food and make it so restrictive feeling like yeah. it's a balancing act and it's not easy. And I, we're here to tell you it's not easy. And, and I, I've cried in front of Dr. Christian. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like ready to pull my hair out because yeah. I give him all the right food, but he doesn't want it. And then if he eats that bad food and he doesn't poop, he knows that, but then he still goes yeah. back and forth and it's this, it's constant. It's just education and education yeah. and offerings and, watching me change and, and open up my nutrition a little bit and being op open to him to go, Oh, mommy doesn't really like this, but I'm going to try it. And I haven't tried it in 10 years. So I'm going to see if I like it now. I'm going to cook it a different way. Cause I'm going to see if I like it better now. Like, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's one of the things that families talk to me about the most, which is like, well, if I don't give him this, then he's not going to eat and he's not going to grow. And it is really difficult to kind of just help people recognize like, okay, you know, hunger makes the best sauce. So they will eat, they will not starve. They will not starve. They will not starve. And part of this, I think has to do with also the die off that you get when you switch around your food intake. And so if you're gonna, you know, all of a sudden you feel like your child's having, you know, severe anxiety and eczema and you know, all of these kinds of things. And if we think that gluten is one of those players in terms of that trigger, you know, there's gonna be some consequences about taking gluten out of the diet. You're gonna see it in the behavior. You're gonna see it in, um, in the way that they, their cravings, they may get very um, anxious. They may get kind of um, agitated because when we do change those things in somebody's diet, we're not influencing just like, oh, you know, this is what we have for lunch. You're changing the gut. You're changing the bacteria in the gut. And so when you get that type of die off from yeast or from pathogenic bacteria in the gut, they, they put out a whole bunch of neurochemicals that will go up to that child's brain and will make that child react. I mean, it does not feel good. It's inflamed. Their brain is inflamed. And so I think if we can, as parents, like have more compassion for that and kind of recognize like, okay, this is a period of time that we're going through because we're making this dietary change. 
they may want that and that's fine. And they are responding to the inflammation that this is causing because of the die off, because we're actually affecting a good, we're affecting good, you know, we're changing the biome so that it can be more resilient and more in balance. So I, you know, if people can get through those initial stages of kind of that type of um, those changes, I think it makes a huge difference for kids, a huge difference. But I agree. I don't like getting super focused on it either. I don't like the restriction aspect of it. I feel our culture is way too hyper-focused on food in negative ways. And that's like the first conversation that I have with anybody before I even recommend trying to go on some kind of an elimination diet or elimination diet for the family, which is, do we have any history of eating disorder? Like, I don't want to trigger that whole emotional load. So it becomes- and that's where I come from. I had an eating disorder as a teenager. So I'm very sensitive about it and wanting to not give that to Silas. And it wasn't a, it was a, a myriad of eating disorders. I don't want to eat food. I only want to eat vegetables. I don't like your meat. I eat shit food. I'm going to throw it up after I eat it. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it was all over the place. And then it became orthorexic. I'm only going to eat exactly what I'm supposed to eat only for my nutritional on my blood type diet within the no toxin diet, within the no allergy diet, there was no flexibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's not, yeah. And I see that a lot too. I mean, I see that a lot in my patients and it's, you know, it's hard because I think as practitioners, we know that, um, you know, food is food today is toxic. So we're not approaching this from like, we're approaching this from a toxin standpoint. We're not approaching it from, you know, oh, I want you to restrict this. We're basically saying, please don't put this toxin in your body. Let's find an other alternative. But if someone is that pre, like, if they've had that already honed in, that kind of um, reactivity, or even the the association with the orthorexia of like, I can't have that because if I have that, then, you know, I put this toxin in my body and then, and it goes back to this sense that we talked about in the very beginning, which is like, what is the amount of resilience that we have? Where is our tolerance? Where is our resilience? And kind of really trying to like support that, you know, along the way while we're trying to like do these other things, continuing to kind of push that as our primary message. And how do you get that, right? You get it through lymph, you get it through, um, you know, myofascial release, you get it through getting rid of like emotional toxins, you get it, you know, good, better water, you get it through breathing, you know, the whole thing. Right, exactly. And and now you can see why she's a different approach because she's not looking at, oh, I'm going to get you on different supplements. And this is my, my supplement that I talk about all the time. And it's great. And da, da, da. This is about nutrition. And, and we went to a weekend seminar away together a couple of years ago, and we stayed at Airbnb. And the most fun I had was finding a grocery store and going <laughs> to the grocery store with Christian and then going home and cooking all this food in this Airbnb that, and it was so good and so delicious. And I'm not a great cook. She's obviously loves cooking and is really good. In it, and that's her, how she started her whole career. And she taught me a few things that weekend that just was like, oh my God, this makes my life so much simpler. And it doesn't have to be like, they were these frozen black bean burgers that I would have never bought in a million years. And she's like, Hey, listen, we're in New York city and this is what we can get. And so chill out sister and have this freaking black bean burger and enjoy it. And it was awesome. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to eat this every day, but if I'm in a pinch, it's better than going to the whatever restaurant and eating yeah. the quality food better than eating, 
you know, it's better to eat this frozen black bean burger, which isn't a typical choice I would make, but in a pinch, it works great. And it, it was part of my process of letting go of my orthorexia. Cause that was now three or four years ago. And now I think about it really. And me being more of a flexitarian is what I call myself. Now I'm way more flexible than I've ever been. I'll eat yeah. anything that anybody puts in front of me. And 90% of the time, yes, my high quality, organic only, blah, blah, blah. But if you put something in front of me, I'll taste it. No worries. It's all good. Yeah. Because you have trust in your body, you know, but you've also, you've also put the time in and the energy in to know that the majority of your physiology is top notch. And so that creates more tolerance. And then we don't have to be as freaked out, you know, as you know, we would be if we didn't have that tolerance. So I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's true and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination by any stretch. I try, I mean, I can always do better. I can always eat more vegetables. I can always like increase that. It's, it takes work to cook all that stuff and to have all that stuff ready for the week. And I'm tired and I'm like working and I don't bring lunch and like, you know, it's all those same things that everybody talks about because those are real. That's the world we live in. You know, and I could beat myself up and say, well, like, oh, you should be better at like creating your schedule so that you could like have an hour of yoga in the morning before you go and make your beautiful salad for lunch. And like, I mean, (laughs) that's just not living in the world. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh -uh. It's true. And it's cutting ourselves some slack and, and knowledge and not being so strict with ourselves in every way. And, and just knowing that we're trying to close the gap. I've said that multiple times in the last, I don't know, two, three months is just close the gap. Let's not be so hard on ourselves and like, oh my God, I'm here and I want to be here. It's like, just close the gap a little bit. Yeah. And every day we just keep closing the gap and all will be good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good perspective. So is there anything else you want to share with our audience of listeners here? I mean, I have a couple, I have like one or two more questions I want to ask you. And I want to make sure everybody knows how to access you. Of course, they've all seen your name, Dr. Christian Hines, info at redhillmedical.com. Redhillmedical.com is her website. She's got an amazing portal for those that are patients, even for those that are technically challenged like me. And she forced me to use the portal, even though I didn't want to. And now I love it. What's that? I was like, could you please just use the portal? Yeah, could you, uh, you have all those answers, Kelly. They're just in the portal. Just go to the portal. Okay. All right. But is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Anything new you're doing? Anything you're into these days that you want to share? I'm like, I'm toying around things. I mean, I think COVID has us all kind of a little bit turned down, you know, in terms of our enthusiasm or, you know, our connectedness. I've definitely, you know, one of th- the offerings that we have been doing or that I've been you know, that I did with, I'm doing with my friend is the fireside chats that we do every month. And that was just a virtual, um, that was a virtual, you know, talks that we're just giving every month. And we talked about vagina, we talked everything about vaginas. We had a talk on that. We've talked about, um, oh, we've talked about lots of stuff, elimination diets and, you know, poop. We've talked a lot about poop and, you know, we have stuff on everything, anything that you kind of want to talk about, but are kind of nervous about talking about, we're probably talking about it. And this is off limits. Nothing's off limits. That's awesome. And this is her very good friend. Who's also a medical doctor, Dr. Kristen Raymond, MD.com. So Kristen and I, um, we became best friends when we were in residency together. And um, we also, we did our acupuncture training together. um, And we ran a ton of like acupuncture groups 
in um, up in Allentown when we were in residency together that were focused on um, smoking cessation, that smoke focused on like depression. And so we would just run these big group sessions, this community acupuncture, and then have these like group talks and stuff. It was, it was great. It's super powerful. Like community is really where I think the heart of our healing is. And that's what I think has been so difficult over the last year and a half is just not being able to be in community with each other and to support each other and to, for everyone to move forward, you know? So if you want to access that, you can go to, and we'll put this in the show notes. It's, uh, her website is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-R-E-I-H-M-A-N-M-D.com. And then when you go to her website up in the top right-hand corner, there's a click here for your next seat or for your seat at the next fireside, which is the second Tuesday approximately of every month. And, you know, it's free if you go live, by the way, it's free if you go live. If you would like to watch it, you know, either the pre-recorded or catch all of them, then you can purchase the whole program to have access to the doctors for all this information. But that just speaks volumes of who these doctors are. They're just here to give you all the information and talk about all the uncomfortable things that nobody wants to talk about, but really needs to be talked about because- I love those things. I love those things too. So why she's yeah. one of my favorite apps too, because we like to talk about all the things that nobody else likes to talk about. And, you know, with my sound of soul, of course, I always talk about what's the heart. Like this is from my heart to yours. That's what I talk about in regards to my podcast. It's from our heart to yours. And what you said earlier was so brilliant. You know, the heart of the matter is about the community. And I couldn't agree more that that yeah. is it takes a village on every aspect of our lives that we are communing human emotional beings that if you did this to rats, if you separated rats and put them in their own cage and put a mask over their face, they would do not well very fast. And, you know, we are approaching a second pandemic of anxieties and depressions and all the lack of community. And we really want you to be involved in our community in every way, whether it's listening to this podcast, it's hooking up with Dr. Chrisanne for the fireside conversations. It's coming to events that we have live or in Zoom or whatever the case may be, but you're not alone. You can do this. There's a whole community here that's supporting you to get your body to back into balance. But what else do you want to say to the community? And then I'm going to ask you one last question. I mean, there are so many things that could be said. (laughs) I don't know that I can like hone it down to one. I just... I really think where you, I'm excited to look over in the next year is kind of really trying to cultivate, you know, more um, people feeling more empowered to use food as their tool to find their way back to health mm-hmm. and not to forget that. And, and know that like trying to develop things where people are doing that in community, be it like, you know, cooking demonstrations, cooking classes, um, elimination diets, um, you know, fasting groups, you know, all, there's a whole bunch of things I've kind of been swirling around my, my brain in terms of how to get people back together in community, um, as well as trying to like brainstorm around how do we reach children and families in a way that makes them feel empowered to do the things that we were talking about earlier. That's been a big thing on my mind. Ooh, can we do um, and child cooking classes? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I've been thinking about. You know? So fun. I would love, like, I've 
you've taught me that years ago to get Silas involved in the kitchen has helped tremendously. And he's got his own chef hat and everything else. And I'm always looking for things for him and I to do together. And I just, you wanted to do that. I would help. Kind of thing, you know, I've been toying around putting those things back. I would, I think if thing, you know, as things open up and as, you know, people are feeling more confident about being in community, um, then I think that it's definitely on the docket or even starting with just a zoom class. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people have attended, you know, zoom online wine tastings and online cooking classes, which is a brilliant model, but it engages people in that community together. Yeah. Okay. So the last question, thank you so much for all your time today. Really. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for having me. I love this. If this is the only way I get to talk to you, can I come on every week? Yeah, I know. Really? It's good. <laughs> You're so busy. I can never catch you. Or we have like these late night texts of like these random questions that like are amazing because we know we can reach out and ask each other like some random question without having a huge conversation. But I miss the huge conversations. I know, me too. I really do too. We worked together for about five or eight months. Dr. Hines helped us tremendously in our clinic when we had a doctor change and I was in a, a very serious situation that I didn't want our clients to not feel cared for. And she was so kind to come right in like Superman or Superwoman really and scoop in and help every single one of those clients get all the answers to all their questions. And we had so much time together during that time period. And we, we went, when it went away, we're like, what happened? Ah. I want to come back. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Now we randomly see each other on a Monday to care for each other. Yeah, exactly. But, um, the point of, part of the point of my podcast for me is to get the information out there for people to learn how their body works. And my message is that it's all about your heart, right? It's all about the soul and being in alignment with you and, and knowing, having your knowing be your lead and then letting everything else fall, fall in the right place. Right. Yeah. If you had an opportunity to have a microphone and stand on the world stage and every single person on the planet gets to listen to you and you get to give them the secrets that you've learned throughout the years, what is the secret you would like everybody to know? I always feel like these are really difficult questions. Oh yeah, I love doing that. Hey, my, my, my psychiatrist was the person that taught me this medicine. So when I asked him this question the other day, when I asked Byron, this question was like, Oh, that's a good question. I'm like, would you expect a not deep question? You're my teacher. You're a psychiatrist. What else do you expect from me? Right. Um, it doesn't have to be about health, just your secret in life that you've learned. Yeah. I didn't, health didn't even come in. I think it was more just like recognizing the humanity between all of us and like looking at somebody else and recognizing that, you know, that person is as close to you as you are to yourself, you know, and how do we cultivate that in every interaction that we have? You know, how can we bring that compassion and bring that, you know, that love into each relationship that touches our life? That's beautiful to have a compassion to create the community because we're all that, com that community is us. It's all us. Yeah, it's all us. I mean, I think through all the different, like, all the different work environments I've been in, all the different like community situations that I've been in. And at every single one of those things, I mean, I can be like moved to tears thinking about how beautiful all those people have been who have been in my life or have touched me in some way that they don't even necessarily realize. 
And if I feel that way, then we have the power to do that to everyone that comes into our lives too. So I think that that, if we could do more of that, I think that would be, I think that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much from our hearts, truly, to give that message to everybody, all the messages you gave, but that is such a clear message of every tree, every bird, every worm, every human, we're all connected to it and have compassion for each other. Christian gave of her time, her energy during the very beginning of the crisis to go to Georgia to volunteer during COVID at a medical facility, given care. And she put her life, her jeopardy, her family all aside to go and give care at, in the very beginning of COVID when we had no idea what was really going on. Yeah. Because that's who she is. She cares more than as a primary care, <laughs> a primary physician, a primary care though. So thank you so much. And we really, oh. truly, I, for those that want to reach out to Dr. Hines, you can reach her at info at redhillmedical.com. That's also her website. Sign up at, um, we'll give you again, the show notes where you can find her on these Tuesday nights. And you can always reach out to us and we will link you to Dr. Christian. If you can't find her somehow, you can reach out to us and we will certainly have you again on our podcast. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much for your time. Thank I love you so, you much so much for having me. This is so great. I love you so great. I love you too. And have a great day. And everybody from our heart to yours, if you feel inclined to share this, please do. We know that we brought up a lot of information today and we just trust and pray that you got out of everything that you needed to get here today to just close the gaps. Have a great day, everybody. Take care, everyone. Thank you.